Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. While the Bears go into their annual midseason hibernation during the bye, Larry D invites ESPN's Jeff Dickerson back to the show to discuss the first portion of the season and where they're headed for the remainder of the year. How does Jeff feel about the progress being made, and where do we go from here? All of this and so much more on the Mid-Season Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. It isn't coming as late as it usually has, at least not in the last several years, but it's close enough to the middle of the season. We'll just go ahead and call this the mid-season review. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the mid-season review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. The week number seven this year is the bye. Uh, the last few years, it's been eight. week number eight, week number nine, so we at least got seven or eight games in. So it may actually made kind of a perfect midseason uh, report the last few years. A little earlier uh, this year, but, um, you know, I, I mentioned it in the in the review episode. Uh, I even mentioned it during our talk with uh, my talk with Jeff Dickerson that um, mentally it, it's probably not the best time for the team to be on a bye, especially the the low point that was that the, the way the Bears played and lost uh, the Detroit game. But physically, with 13-plus guys on the injured list and uh, so on, banged up in, in one fashion or another, it's probably the best time for them to be uh, on the bye. Uh, they'll get some guys back. And, you know, guys that are on, on the injury report with nagging injuries and such have two full weeks of rest to get ready uh, to go uh, for Minnesota on November the 1st. So, uh, you know, it's a 50-50. It's a 12 in one hand and half a dozen, or six in one hand, half a dozen in the other kind of situation uh, uh, right now. So um, uh, we will have Jeff Dickerson on a little bit later on. uh, I got to uh, confess that uh, I recorded the the interview uh, on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning uh, as Jeff was driving to to Hallis Hall and then you know thank him so much again for uh, for being on the show uh, taking the time out to uh, to help our little show here and uh, give us some insight on uh, on the the Bears from someone who's you know literally on the inside and uh, or at least as close to the inside uh, as anybody as uh, we've had uh, on the show, he is a beat writer for ESPN, uh, ESPN Nation. He is the the writer for the Bears uh, on their uh, on the website, and has been a member of ESPN 1000 for several years. 
uh, you know, uh, in, in the city. So, uh, you know, a guy who was born and raised uh, in the area. If you guys remember when we had him on the first time, shared a little anecdote where, where Jeff Dickerson and I, who are the same age, shared the football field against one another uh, in high school our senior year, uh, August of 1995. His Buffalo Grove Bison visited my Evanston Township High School uh, Wildcats in Evanston, a sweltering hot painfully hot day uh in 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 late august and uh they came into town did not go well for them as they walked away with a 35 to 7 loss that was documented with full color pictures in the sun times and the tribune i still have the press clippings uh to this day i i I made a scrapbook of my senior year uh in high school uh that was really cool uh for the football team at least uh that was really cool but uh uh, anyway, um, well, let's just go ahead and talk about it because I'm sure you guys want to know uh, my thoughts. Um, the interview was done before the Jeremiah Ratliff uh, incident uh, took place uh, on Wednesday. Still very little information in regards to what actually spurred the the incident, what, what happened uh, you know, between... Uh, Ratliff and and Ryan Pace but um, you know they basically got into a a quote-unquote heated discussion uh, outside of Hallis Hall uh, on Wednesday I'm sure that the the conversation began indoors inside Hallis Hall carried out to the outside of the uh, of the building for one reason or another Um, I even read a couple of Jeff's tweets saying you know quote the that Pace and and Ratliff were observed arguing with each other outside, which is to say that I don't think anybody was close enough to actually hear what the conversation was about. But, um, you know, they were outside. They were having a heated discussion. They eventually went back inside, and Ratliff came out by himself uh, later on, had to be escorted from the premises by security. And then the the announcement. I mean, no, and this was on Wednesday, and then the announcement came out on Thursday. I got the news in two pieces. Uh, the first one was I got a, a you know alert on my phone saying uh, Bears release uh, Jeremiah Ratliff, and then signed Ziggy Hood, former first round pick of the um, Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, spent the last uh, last season with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And then the the second and so I'm sitting there like wow that's that's interesting that's like what happened there you know kind of thing it's just like did they think that he was not holding up his end after he came back I mean he missed the first three games of the year with the uh, with the ankle injury no not the ankle injury I mean he he had the ankle injury but he missed the first three games of the year due to the uh, suspension and um, I don't he didn't play against Seattle. But um, he he played against Kansas City and definitely played against Detroit and left the game early with a with a neck injury uh, on Sunday. But I mean, his is he not showing enough in those first couple of games back out on the field? Uh, you know, or is it just that you know he was out with the ankle injury or would have been out probably a game or two with the ankle injury and now he's hurt again? He's you know thirty four or so uh, years old. The Bears want to give the chance to to someone else or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, so I thought it was interesting in that aspect. 
Then the second alert that I received said had to be escorted from the premises by security. And I was like, okay, what happened? You know, what really happened for that to, for that to take place? And then uh, read later on, uh, once I finally actually started reading the articles about what was going on, um, like I said, no real details as to what the altercation or the argument was about, but there were police officers on on site at Hallis Hall, and I think they be- I believe that I read they had a car patrolling Hallis Hall, you know that later that afternoon uh, on on Wednesday, and I even remember reading a, a tweet from Jeff that uh, finished when he when he referenced the car being at Hallis Hall, the police car being at Hallis Hall, his he he ended that phrase with this is not normal. So that was uh, you know, quite a thing to be reading. It makes you wonder what what Ratliff said. You know, was he I mean he's he's you know an emotional guy. He's you know an aka hothead, uh, if you will, uh was known for that in Dallas, got into a few scrapes with uh with uh with Jerry Jones uh, down there in in Dallas, so it wasn't all that surprising to hear that that Ratliff got into it with somebody, but um, you know to have him, you know, it, like, it makes you wonder what he said that the the team felt it necessary to have police on site uh, after he was escorted from the building, you know, I, you know, and I'm saying that, you know probably something emotional, uh, you know, about the the moment because obviously he was not happy about. Uh, about you know being let go or you know whatever the reason was that spurred the uh the argument but uh you know what what uh what emotional foolish thing did he say that the bears felt necessary to have the police on site just in case you know what i mean and uh it unfortunately doesn't do anything but hurt ratliff's stock going forward uh that whole incident there so i mean i haven't heard at all of anything of you know, somebody maybe even getting footage of of the actual argument. From what I understand, there's really not much to see other than the two of them uh, arguing uh, with each other. But it can't bode well for him that uh, you know, after coming off of a three game suspension, didn't perform well uh, on the field, and then had this incident uh, as kind of the cherry on top uh, of a season. Nonetheless, uh, Ratliff, no longer a member of the Chicago Bears, joined the team late in 2013. Uh, you know, w- played. You know, gave some some much needed veteran leadership and some depth because when when Ratliff joined the team in 2013, we were absolutely just ravaged with injuries on the defensive line. Uh, that was when we lost Henry Melton and anyone else that we tried to bring in went down basically right behind him, which was. You know, it was just a tough year on that side of the ball, and the defense was terrible. Uh, that you know, being gutted in the middle of the field by the run game uh, because our defensive line was was relatively weak, and pulling guys off the street, you know, literally to try to play. Like we signed a guy on Tuesday, he's starting on Sunday, kind of thing. It was it was rough, and you know, was there for us in, in 2014 uh, as well. Uh, helped the Bears solidify as far as the run defense was concerned. But last year it was the pass defense that killed the Bears over and over and over uh, last year. So, you know, 
was was a member of a 3-4 unit in Dallas, so he was kind of somebody that m- helped ease the transition into the 3-4, could play nose tackle or uh, defensive end in the 3-4, and did. Uh, he did play both positions uh, for the Bears. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't uh, – it wasn't working out. For whatever reason, the Bears thought to uh, to let Ratliff go. He is now a former Chicago Bear, and we welcome – uh, Ziggy Hood, the former uh, first-round pick, uh, into uh, into the fold in Hallis Hall to uh, to help the Bears out there, and we'll see how he does. Um, you know, he he his his tenure in in Pittsburgh was was foiled with uh, uh, you know had injuries and such, and he actually was uh, he you know played a lot last year in Jacksonville, but actually was released from Jacksonville this year while he was on injured reserve. So. Uh, you know, he is banged up again, but apparently healthy enough. The Bears gave him a shot. He's going to come in and uh, at the very least add some depth uh, to the defensive line as, uh, you know, Eddie, Eddie Goldman, Jarvis Jenkins, and, uh, and company were, were pretty much the starters uh, on the defensive line uh, thus far. So that was the big news uh, that happened. Uh, after I spoke with with Jeff on Wednesday, so uh, when we get to that that portion of the show here in just a few minutes, there won't be any reference to it because it happened at, like literally that day. I was talking to Jeff while he was in his car headed to Hallis Hall. You know, he was literally driving to Hallis Hall to see that take place, and uh, you know, so there would be no reference to it because it hadn't happened yet. So almost regret talking to him when I did just because it would have been interesting to talk to him after for sure just to see you know what all what all information he could give us uh, about what happened so anywho just a, a quick recap you know my thoughts of the the first six games you know if you guys listen to the show thus far it's you know you, you guys know how I'm feeling here the schedule for the first uh, first three games was absolutely brutal. We knew back in April that with the team that we had, the transition we were making, those first three games could be absolutely brutal uh, for the Bears, that we were most likely looking at an 0-3 start. And, you know, unfortunately the crystal ball was reading, you know, quite clearly that day uh, when the schedule came out because, sure enough, an 0 and 3 start but you know there were a lot of things to be encouraged about in those first three games especially right off the bat uh against Green Bay to be able to hang uh with Green Bay the way they did especially after the way that we played against them last year the to, to for Green Bay to have to absolutely fight and scratch and claw and earn everything that they had to get there was nothing that the Bears gave away uh, in that one even the pick and I will defend this until I'm blue in the face even that pick that Clay Matthews got in the fourth quarter on Jake Cutler was an outstanding defensive play uh, on his part more than it was more and it wasn't one of those same old Jay moments uh, as I've had to try to defend a thousand times on the show but um, you know then Arizona was somewhat of a regression as far as, uh, you know, instead of the progress we saw week one, we come away feeling good about the team despite the loss to Green Bay, a 31-23 to loss that we had uh, to Green Bay. We welcome Arizona into town. And in the first half of the game, 
you know we're we're kind of we're we're in there we're we're hanging with them but uh you know still having trouble finishing finishing drives not putting touchdowns in the end zone putting field goals through the uprights uh jay ends up getting hurt right before halftime and then offensively the wheels fall off uh when jimmy clausen comes out uh the the offense is virtually non-existent uh the defense is still trying to get its footing against palmer and the cardinals larry fitzgerald has a field day and it ends up being a huge blowout of like a 48 to 24 type uh, uh score there uh at the end they really pull away from us uh uh, in the second half there with Jay on the bench and, and nothing to offer <coughs> excuse me on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball very much a similar story a week later in Seattle but um, defensively you saw the team take a turn where they were you know somewhat of a punching bag for for Green Bay and Arizona moving up and down the field not putting any pressure on on Rodgers or Palmer the Bears got after Russell Wilson the Bears were shutting down uh the run Marshawn Lynch didn't play in that uh, football game Michael Rawls their their um I believe he's a rookie free agent uh for them he did end up with 100 yards in the game because eventually uh the uh, the offense for the Seahawks found their rhythm but at halftime this was a six to nothing ball game the Bears were, were sacking and getting after Russell Wilson. They were shutting down the run. The Seahawks were only able to put together maybe a handful of first downs in the first half. And, you know, it was six to nothing at halftime. And then, you know, I mean, we, just, we were running the ball decently in the first half of the game, uh, dominating time of possession because of it. But then in the second half, the Seahawks take the opening kickoff back 105 yards for a touchdown and that was pretty much it you know i mentioned in the show that the 13 to nothing lead at that point especially with our offense with jimmy clausen at the helm might as well have been 130 to nothing lead uh for the seahawks that's how big of a task it was for the bears at that point and uh you know sure enough it, it definitely was final score ended up being 26 to nothing but you you come away with the sense of encouragement for the team because the defense you didn't see them quit you saw them keep coming after Wilson even though it's 26 to nothing it's late in the fourth quarter the defense is playing to the whistle we're hitting Russell Wilson we are still getting after them you kind of see that where the mentality was with this football team as opposed to where it was a year ago a, a team that probably would have checked out mentally after the opening kickoff of the second half uh you know when the when the Seahawks went up 13 to nothing uh you know still getting after it still playing like they have a chance to win uh even with the game out of reach then the Oakland game we finally get our first W on the board Jay Cutler sh shocks us all and comes back early what was supposed to be a two to five week injury he only misses a game and a half the second half of the Arizona game and the the Seattle game he comes out plays very very well uh for the Raiders uh, you know, we pull out a late-minute victory, 22-20, uh, to 20, uh, over the Raiders. A Robbie Gold field goal wins it for us. And then a week later, the high point of the season easily uh, with the uh, the offense struggling in the first half uh, for the majority of the football game. But we're only down 17-6 to six in, the, uh, in the fourth quarter. 
Jay leads two big touchdown drives in the fourth quarter for the Bears to to win it, uh, eighteen uh, to seventeen. Uh, you know, it was a huge, huge victory for the Bears on the road in extremely, extremely hostile territory. The defense only allowing ten points to the Chiefs um, because one of the one of the touchdowns for the Chiefs is actually uh, a defensive touchdown where uh, Jay was sacked in the end zone uh, and fumbled the ball and you know recovered for a touchdown by the Chiefs and uh you know like i said only t- 10 points allowed uh by the defense they were awesome uh especially in the second half of the football game when Jamal Charles uh went down with a with a knee injury he's done for the year actually uh blew out his ACL in that moment but uh you know it, it was uh, a a great moment a great moment for the bears and and i felt then and feel now it's that's a foundation moment for the team in this transition that we're in moving on from from Tressman and and you know the mentality of where the locker room was then to where it is now uh Pernell McPhee stepping up big uh in that game blocking the field goal that essentially saved the game uh for us and and Jay looking like the leader we always wanted him to be with those two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter uh to put us ahead and, and get us the win uh in Kansas City a place where it is extremely difficult to win football games, no matter how good or bad uh, the Chiefs uh, happen to be in that particular season. It is monumentally hard to win games out there. Uh, One of the more disciplined, active crowds in the league because those people are with you or against you from start to finish uh, in in KC. Just an outstanding, outstanding crowd. And I felt that they were 10 times louder than the 12th man uh, in Seattle uh, in week number three. So... Uh, if I had to vote on the loudest stadium in the NFL, I'd vote Kansas City, hands down, especially having seen it up close uh, this year uh, for the uh, for the Bears. And then finally, we were trying to finish out a perfect October and, uh, you know, head into the bye on a three-game winning streak against the lowly Lions. They were 0-5 and reeling after getting stomped into the ground themselves by the Arizona Cardinals, also a loss at home. Uh, you know, like the Bears did in week number two. Um, but the Lions were able to shake it off uh, against the against the Bears for a team that had trouble protecting Matt Stafford, uh, had trouble scoring points and getting it into the end zone. The defense seemed to take a step back. Uh, and, and I think that uh, you'll hear me mention this uh, with, uh, I believe I mentioned it with Jeff, was that... Uh, the, the 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 Lions attacked the Bears on the outside, going after the weakness that we have at the corner position. If there has been one huge disappointment in this season, it has been the play uh, of our corners. Kyle Fuller not really progressing in his uh, in his second season uh, like you would have liked. Allen Ball, Tracy Porter, while they've been good in spots, consistently had not been great. Sherrick McManus as our number three uh, slot corner or nickel uh, corner has not been you know solid for us we're just getting eaten up in that corner position uh right now you'd have to think that uh, the bears are going to be looking very heavily uh, at a cornerback either in free agency or or very high uh in the draft uh next year just because of the deficiencies that we happen to have there because safety which has been one of our major weaknesses for the last several years uh you know with antro roll when he was healthy he was great adrian amos our fifth round pick has been outstanding uh, for us and uh, even uh, Jones Corte who he's picked up off waivers the beginning of the season 
uh, being a rookie free agent himself, has been solid as well. The Bears are very high uh, on them. We started two rookies back there at safety uh, against the Lions in Amos and Jones Corte performed very solidly uh, for us. Um, linebackers have been decent. Uh, even Shea McClellan, who hasn't been great, but not as awful as he has been uh, in the last few years. So I guess Fangio knew what he was doing there. But, um, you know, for a team that had been stingy and getting after the quarterback and such, we, we seem to regress a bit against the Lions. Uh, we gave up 34 points at the ball game, Despite the controversies with the referees and, and, and so on, uh, the Bears should have come through with a victory. They had, an, had a chance to get the, the Lions behind early in that game, which was one of the keys that I had to get after them so that mentally you know, they check out early and we can kind of coast through the game. It didn't happen. The, the Lions were allowed to hang in and have the lead for most of the football game. Uh, we made it exciting at the end, had to drive the length of the field in 22 seconds to kick a field goal to send it to overtime. But in the overtime period, uh, you know, the offense was stagnant and uh, the Lions were able to kick the field goal uh, to win the game, sending the Bears into the bye with a two and four record, which is actually kind of where I predicted they would be uh, at this point, especially with that brutal first three games of the schedule. But, you know, in the last 10 games, it's 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 completely doable it is doable probably not probable but doable at least that we could finish eight and eight this year because i look at the last 10 games we come back we got minnesota at home traditionally a game the bears win uh they they haven't lost to minnesota in a long time uh, since the Bears have lost the home games to the Vikings. Then we go to San Diego and play the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Uh, the Chargers, good football team, but not world beaters. So it's not a daunting task that we have to do to beat San Diego out there. Uh, but after watching Phillip Rivers throw 500-plus uh, against the Packers last weekend, that one kind of worries me about how the Chargers could probably go, go up huge on the Bears early. Uh, if we haven't still figured out our cornerback situation at that point. Then we go to St. Louis to face the Rams. The Rams are the most schizophrenic team in the league right now. This is a team that went to Arizona, beat the Cardinals, that uh, you know beat down the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks week one, but then also uh, falls flat on its face on the road uh, against the, the Redskins the following week. Uh, this is a team that couldn't take advantage of a Ben Roethlisberger list uh you know pittsburgh steelers team lost the game like 12 to 6 at home to the steelers you know this is a team that can't quite figure out what, it, what who it is because it likes to play up or down uh to its competition you know they dominate one week they're the lion one week the lamb the next week kind of thing so it depends on which which of the do we get dr jekyll or mr hyde you know in that uh, ball game on tuesday or you know in in that game uh that week uh, november 15th week 10 then we finish out November with uh, pretty much back-to-back -back games there. We got Denver and Chicago on Sunday, then on the road on Thanksgiving night on Brett Favre Jersey Retirement Night, national television against Green Bay. That does not bode well at all uh, for the Bears. But then the last five games, I'm looking at a five-game stretch where I could see the Bears going 4-1 and one to finish out the season. We got San Francisco and Washington at home. Both teams are awful. Washington has been playing well on defense, but offensively they are a turnover machine and, you know, as inconsistent as they come. 
Uh, then we got Minnesota on the road. That's the one, you know, the Bears traditionally lose in Minnesota. It's been a long time since we won out there. I think maybe 2010, if I'm not mistaken, was the last time the Bears won a, a game in Minnesota. Then we're at Tampa Bay, finish out the year with Detroit in Chicago. I mean, I could, I could see what's winning four out of the last five and really going out on a high note, which is exactly what we want. And if things go our way, let's say we go two and ten, that's six more wins for the Bears. That's an 8-8 eight and eight season, and that at this point will be looked upon as tremendous progress uh, for the Bears and definitely something to build on going into 2016 where the Bears are going to have a ton of cap space and probably a you know a a you know mid 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 to early um early teens pick in the first round uh of the draft so you know lots to build on there the progress being made now hopefully continues we can get healthy and stay healthy throughout these last 10 games a healthy Alshon Jeffrey get 10 more games out of him keep Jay upright the offensive line uh you know stays consistent and keeps Jay healthy as well Forte does what he does we got a big decision to make with him going into the offseason but you know the progress is there uh the coaching is definitely there we're seeing the positive influences on on many aspects of the team except for special teams right now that needs to really uh be consistent and have more performances like they had against uh, Detroit minus the fake punt. And, uh, you know, have more performances like that than like ones they had against Arizona or Seattle, uh, you know, where we're giving up huge plays that make differences in the football game. So, you know, it's, 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 it's possible we can win eight games. Uh, we can win six out of the last ten. That would be tremendous uh, for the Bears, especially if – you know, as I see it, the Bears could win four out of the last five uh, to finish out the year eight and eight. I think that would be fantastic. And you never know. You never know. Nobody's really running away with the NFC right now. Eight and eight. God forbid. Eight and eight. God forbid might be enough to get you in the playoffs this year. We'll have to wait and see how everyone else around the NFC uh, finishes out. But nobody's running away with the division in the NFC East. So only the division champ is going to go there. The AFC South, or excuse me, NFC South, Carolina's 5-0 and right now, Atlanta's 5-0, and so there's probably going to send somebody else uh, out there as well. Will the Seahawks be able to figure it out and catch Arizona? Because if, you know, it could be Green Bay and Minnesota going in the NFC North, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. It's, it could be very, very interesting at the end of the year. The Bears might actually have something to play for uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, you know, wouldn't that be something? So, but you know that's where I think we we've been and we, and where we're going. What do you say we go ahead and move on and bring Jeff Dickerson into the show with our discussion on the first half of the season and where the buys, where the Bears are going in the final ten. <laughs> As the Bears enter the bye week, we also enter our bye week, but we have a special guest to to help us ease into that lonely weekend of the season that the Bears are not playing. Jeff Dickerson from ESPN back with us once again. Jeff, thanks so much uh, for coming back. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me back. 
Well, you know, it, it was uh, it was really great having you on the first time. So I just thought, you know, if 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 some is good, more must be better. So we're gonna have you uh, <laughs> help us out uh, this time, and I promise no Evanston Buffalo Grove anecdotes this time. So we'll just we'll just talk about the Bears this time, if that's all right. Well, honestly, that was the highlight of last time. I mean, the Bears, <laughs> you know, they're just doing four. If you don't want, I I love going back down to the glory days uh, of high school football. But yeah, yeah, I know it's it's been. Uh, yeah, it's kind of been the first six games that most people expected. You know, I think the Bears have played well at times, and there's a lot of reason for optimism, I think, you know, in the future. But obviously we all can see that, you know, they're not quite where they need to be as far as the, the talent level is concerned and, and some certain key positions, especially on defense. And you know, they've got some issues they have to work through. So it wasn't a horrible first six games heading into the bye, but, you know, to be two and four and, and losing the way they lost in Detroit, that that was just so disappointing because the Lions are such a bad team and they were winless. And to not find a way to get that one after the Lions gave them so many chances, I know that's one the Bears are still regretting actually as of this day. Yeah, I was uh, talking to to a guy from SB Nation for the Lions, and he was saying basically, you know, the Lions were as as low as they could be after that loss to. Arizona they were a turnover machine Stafford got benched the, the the offensive line couldn't block for Stafford and then we come to Sunday and the offensive line is blocking for Stafford because he's got all day to throw the ball they're running the ball when they were the worst in the league coming into the game Calvin Johnson who is basically only notable by name at this point in the season all of a sudden reemerges as Megatron against the Bears like everything that they couldn't do they did it against the Bears and then stole a win from us in overtime definitely a low point i would say so far in the first six games for me at least well no that and also too is yeah the lions did some nice things but let's not forget i mean they turned the ball over twice on punt return yeah you know in pretty close succession stafford he did stafford did play well but i mean the one shovel pass that jonathan anderson intercepted and what in the world was he doing on that throw mm-hmm. so the bears had chances it's just you know, they didn't score touchdowns in the first half when they should have. Right. Uh, defensively, they, they just fell apart against the run and against Calvin Johnson. And then in overtime, the offense just stalled. So, I mean, again, it's, you know, they were in position. They were in position to open up a sizable first-half lead. And when you're just an average team like the Bears, you have to capitalize on those chances. And when you don't do it, you keep a team around. The Lions then took the lead there for a while. So, yeah, it was just a messy game. It was a disappointing locker room. And we'll see what this week off does as far as the health of the team is concerned because I think that Minnesota game a week from Sunday is going to be a tricky one at Soldier Field, even though the Vikings usually don't play well in Chicago. Right. That's that's not a bad team. And, you know, they've got three wins right now, and, and we'll see where they're at if, you know, when they come to town next week. So I was reading Matt Forte's comments about, like, he, like he does not want to have the bye week this week. And earlier this week when I did the pre, the review episode of the Lions game on the show – I I agreed in part with him like now probably isn't the best time I would say mentally for the team to be on on a bye after the 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 highs of the 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 late minute wins over Oakland and and Kansas City to the low of letting that game get away from them uh in Detroit 
mentally, I agree it's probably not the best time. They probably wanted to go into the bye week on more of a high uh, mental note. But physically, I can't imagine a better time for the team to have a break with everybody that's completely banged up. I think we had, what, 13, 14 people on the injured list going into that game uh, yeah. against Detroit. So, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm with them on half of it. Mentally, they probably could use another game or two before the bye. But physically, now is definitely the time that they need a break. I agree. And it's different this year. I mean, you know, Fox is making them practice. You know, they practiced yesterday. They're going to practice on Wednesday. You know, Tressman would give them the whole week off. Now, as a media member, I love the Mark Tressman bye week schedule because we're off the whole week. But right. I think from a player perspective, it's not a bad idea to go out there for a couple of days and do some work, and then they'll be off Thursday through Sunday. Um, yeah, physically, you know, I think what the week off will do is it'll give Antrell Rolls' ankle a little more time to heal. You know, we'll see where he's at next week. It was a very bad ankle sprain, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure if he's going to be ready just yet. It's tough for me to know right now without the benefit of them having actually, you know, a, uh, a full week of practice where they say if a guy's practicing or not practicing. You know, bi-week practices are very deceiving. Most times, anyone of note usually takes, you know, most of the time off. So you don't really know for sure who's doing what. You know, McClellan and his knee, um, you know, that's got to be getting better pretty soon. Although I did like uh, I do like the inside linebackers right now with Anderson and, and Christian Jones. That was a yeah. – it wasn't a bad combination on Sunday. Yeah, so that's, they look that's, good. That's good for the future. Right. Um, yeah, Will Sutton's banged up. You know, Ratliff is banged up. Jenkins got a little dinged up in that game. Uh, I think Elshon Jeffrey's hamstring, though, is almost back to full strength. I thought he looked really good against the Lions. Yeah. Eddie Royal's ankle, maybe not so much, but the week off will benefit him. So, absolutely, from a physical standpoint, you know, every football team needs the week off to rest. But it's so different. You know, if they just would have won that game and they were riding high on the three-game winning streak and now they've got the bye to rest everybody, the whole building's feeling great. But after that loss, everyone just wants to go back out there and play this weekend, which is understandable. But, again, we'll just see kind of how this this team regroups, you know, moving forward. It's a tough, you know, Minnesota, but then they're on the road against San Diego and St. Louis. Not great teams, but you're on the road. And then, you know, Denver and Green Bay. So it's, it's an interesting stretch coming up here after the bye for the Bears. Yeah, Denver and Green Bay pretty much back-to-back because you got the Sunday afternoon and then Thanksgiving night uh, at Green Bay to close out, uh, close out the uh, month of November. Five games in November this year. So it's, uh, that's uh, quite a bit. Now, speaking of how John Fox does things differently in the bye than Trestman does, how, how has John Fox kind of changed culture in the locker room uh, since taking over now that the season is underway? Oh, it's much different. And, I mean, look, Trespin's a good guy, but he just didn't have – he didn't capture the room. And I think as a head coach, you just have to – when you're standing up there talking to the team, they just have to believe in you. that, that They believe in you that you're the right head coach. Trespin right. did a lot of good things. That Don't get me wrong. It's just as a quote-unquote leader of men that he just, you know, wasn't quite there. I think Fox is. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he definitely is. I think the players are very happy. I think there's a sense of accountability. I think Fox has shown he's not afraid to play multiple guys, rotate guys in if you're not playing well. You know, he's not going to just sit idly back and let you struggle. I mean, he's rotating guys through the secondary. He's playing different linebackers, uh, you know, defensive line. You know, he's showing some confidence in the young players, especially uh, the safeties and, and Grassu at center. So it's a different feeling. It is, but, you know, you guys got to start winning some more games. I think the two-game winning streak was great. But I think what's really going to put the Bears over the top, Larry, is 
is if they can beat a good team. Yeah. Like, if they can beat Denver, uh, I don't know if they're going to beat Green Bay. That's that's Thanksgiving. That's Brett Favre's retirement night. Yeah, you know, uh, Minnesota. I think Minnesota's not a bad team. You can right. beat Minnesota. That's when guys really start believing, hey, all this stuff that Fox is telling us and all these things that we're doing, it's working, and we're seeing the results. From a culture standpoint, just as far as the team goes, it's much better. And I think everyone would say, would admit to that. I mean, you know, Fox is kind of like Lovey as far as the credibility factor. And mm-hmm. Trustman as a head coach just didn't have a whole lot of it, and Fox definitely does. Right, you were saying Fox is like Lovey as far as credibility. Something else that Fox is like Lovey is his uh, his uh, playing it close to the chest with the injury list. I mean, Fo- I mean, I thought Lovey was vague when it came to injuries. <laughs> John Fox is taking this to like Jedi level with the yeah. you know with with his uh, you know that whole uh, not wanting to give the opponent like that edge of competitiveness or or, yeah. or what have you. Um, but do you think they played the Kevin White situation? Wrong, how they kind of had everyone thinking that it was just a matter of time before Kevin White was coming back, only to have the rug pulled out from under us. Like, oh, it's a stress fractor. He has to have surgery. He might be done for the whole year, seemingly out of nowhere. Well, I, 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 first of all, I don't get too worked up about the injuries as far as what they say and what they don't. I and mean, that's the NFL. I mean, you can't take that stuff personally as a reporter. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, look, it, it's silly. It, I don't think it, it gives them much of a competitive edge sometimes, but in their mind, they're trying to win football games. So if that's what they feel like they have to do, then you just have to adjust. So be it. You're living in their world. You have to remember that. It's not your world. It's their world. Right. And sometimes you have to play by their rules. So I understand that. Uh, Kevin White, uh, you know, I, I don't – the problem is – and I, I don't. I can't kill the Bears. Oh, a lot of my colleagues were very upset about how they handled the Kevin White situation. I just feel like they genuinely thought that the rest would, would heal it because stress fractures can be healed by rest. But yeah. it got to the point where, you know, he tried to run. I, I, honestly, I think that, you know, Pace was, was pretty upfront and said, okay, I know tomorrow Kevin White's going to go out there and he's going to test it out. And we're going to do that multiple times this week. And they were doing exactly what Ryan Pace said they were going to do. The thing they did not expect to have happen was that the pain returned in that area for Kevin White. And once the pain returned, then they realized, you know what, he's got to have the surgery. We've got to fix this once and for all. It's not just going to go away with pure rest. So, I don't, I don't, again, I just don't get too worked up about that stuff. I think it's disappointing. Now, from a football standpoint, I'm very disappointed the first-round pick can't play. I mean, right. that's the lifeblood of your organization. That's, that's certainly a colossal uh, blunder right now that the Bears really couldn't control necessarily. So Kevin White, but uh, my understanding is he will be physically ready at the very end of the window that he can be activated. I just don't know yet, and I don't think the Bears know yet if they're going to activate him. You know, if if this team just surprises the world, and oh my God, they're they're in the mix for a wild card. Well, then maybe you absolutely activate Kevin White late in that process. But if they're, you know, three and seven, do you do it? I, I, don't, I don't know. And that's a question they're going to have to ask themselves. I don't think that there has been a final call on that yet. All I know is Kevin White's rehab is going uh, on schedule, according to plan. He has not had any setbacks. And there would be a point this year where he would be healthy enough to be cleared to play. But the Bears have been very cautious about this. So it's kind of undetermined right now what, how they're going to handle it when he is healthy. And when does the window close? 
if it's uh, week 11 or week 12. He'll be ready okay. week 11, week 12. That's, that's kind of where, where they're at. So um, somewhere we're... around there. Uh, yeah, and I know he'll be, he will be, the plan is he will be physically ready at that point. But again, it's just, just because a guy's physically ready doesn't mean they have to activate him. Right. They could just say, all right, let's just be cautious here. We're out of it. Let's just get into the off season and start again next year. But if they're in it, or, or, or they really feel like they're playing well, and this is would be a great opportunity to, to introduce him to the mix, then maybe you do it. But they have said all along that they're going to be very careful with Kevin White, and they're not just going to rush him back out there this year for the sake of rushing him back out there. Now, let me ask you, um, so far in the first six games, obviously Kansas City, that comeback in the fourth quarter, that was that was a highlight. But for me, the, 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 the turning point in the first half, despite the final score, was their the defense's performance, at least against Seattle. I mean, and you could really see it, especially in the fourth quarter, the influence of John Fox and Vic Fangio, because even in the fourth quarter, we're down by 20 or 26 or whatever it was. You're still seeing the defense coming after Russell Wilson. They're still playing to the whistle. I thought that that was quite I, I came away impressed with the team, you know, despite how we performed offensively, which most of us kind of expected going into that game with Jimmy Clausen starting instead of uh, Jay Cutler, but you know, I really came away encouraged despite losing twenty six to nothing to Seattle. Yeah, I like the defense. That's why I was so surprised they played so bad against the Lions. Honestly, yeah. I thought the defense was really showing a lot, and they were doing it without some key players because guys were hurt. I just can't figure out what happened against Detroit. Um, that's that's unfortunate. But no, I mean, look, they, they, you can see what's happening on defense. I mean, there's some young guys that are that they are developing. Christian Jones looks like a good fit. I mentioned him before. You know, Adrian Amos, they're really high on this guy, the free safety. I think he'll come up, he'll thump you. I mean, there's been, you know, I don't think he's had any really bad rookie moments. Now, Harold Jones, Corte, again, that's a guy they like, and I don't blame them for liking him. He's another guy that will hit you, and for everything that he, all the stress they put him under as far as when he had to go in there and play and, the fact that he just joined the team after training camp, he's undrafted out of Finlay in Ohio. He's a nice player, and he's a guy to watch. And I think he's someone that in the future they might look to develop. So when Antro rolls healthy, of course, he's going to be back in there. But Jones Corte, I, I have not been disappointed whatsoever with him. But so, so now that's interesting. Um, you know, uh, Eddie Goldman is, is kind of feeling his way through. You know, Will Sutton's been banged up. They tried to get him in there. It was too bad Eagle Ferguson went on IR. You know, that was that was unfortunate. But, you know, there's something there on, on defense they're working with. Now, I will say this. Uh, they better find some cornerbacks next year because oh, I don't man. like either of the cornerbacks right now. And yeah. the slot corner, Sherrick McManus, is struggling. I mean, I guess, you know, it's understandable a little bit because he's never played this much on defense, but he needs to pick it up here when they get back from the bye week. But I agree with you, right? And that's again. That's just why I felt the Lions game was just uh, what a horrible way to go into the bye because all the all the ground they had gained on defense, I kind of felt like they regressed there at Ford Field. Yeah, that's the one thing that I was actually worried about going into the Oakland game was that you saw Green Bay and Arizona, they exploited the weakness that we had uh, at corner. They attacked the outside, you know, on in both of those games and came away with big numbers. Larry Fitzgerald came, you know, kind of had his little reemergence party uh, week two at Soldier Field. That's why I was 
impressed and surprised that that Oakland didn't use Amari Cooper and Crabtree against our corners more than they than they did. Although Tracy Porter did have a really good game against Cooper, uh, keeping him uh, uh, bottled up. And I guess that's kind of what Detroit did was they they exploited our weakness at cornerback. And I was really upset with Kyle Fuller on that uh, on that big play, that big uh, play to, to Calvin Johnson in overtime for him just kind of passing off Calvin Johnson to Jones Corte and leaving him one on one with Johnson down the, the field in a jump ball situation that Johnson's going to win 99 times out of 100. Yeah, I would say 100 out of 100, honestly. <laughs> that's, yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. I mean, I talked to Jones Corte after the game, and, you know, he's a stand up guy, and but he's like, I just, you know, didn't make the play. Right. And it's a tough spot he was in. Yeah, Fuller has been very uh, disappointing uh, in every, every aspect. I, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's just not making many plays. I, I mean, he had a quite a, a few, a quite a high amount of tackles in the line game. I remember he came up one time in run support and he made a really nice tackle. Actually, it was a short reception, and he came through the guy and hit him pretty hard. So that was good. But yeah, whether it's you know Fuller or, or Tracy Porter, who is a veteran and you know I think has value, but you know I don't know if he's a long-term guy. Allen Ball, same thing. McManus. Just think this team needs some a young, dynamic cornerback. Easier said than done, don't get me wrong. Right. I feel like in this league, because corners cost so much in free agency, it's probably better to try to find one of those guys in the draft. So I wouldn't be surprised next year, pretty high up on the wish list, is to find a new cornerback. So, um, so I mean, talking about Wolf, uh, Kyle Fuller, anyway, been somewhat of a disappointment this year. I mean, I've, I've really loved his run support, but like, you know, we were talking – Pass coverage leaves a lot to be desired, and, and for the most part, that's what the corners on the field do is to defend the pass. Um, can you think of anybody else that would that you would classify as a disappointment so far this year? Um, well, I think it's, it's unfortunate for Bushrod. He's been hurt. Right. You know, he had the concussion, then he had a shoulder, and he'd want to rush back. So I feel like his year has been disappointing because he hasn't been available. Charles Leno's been okay. I feel a yeah. left tackle. Uh, you know, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey's year has been disappointing just because he hasn't been available. I look at more of as far as availability goes. Right. I think as far as performance, you know, I think Fuller has been disappointing. Uh, you no, know, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say anyone else has been really playing all that poorly. I think Fernell McPhee has lived up to expectations. Definitely. I oh, feel Jarvis Jenkins has exceeded expectations. Right. I think Sam Acho is a nice player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that necessarily. Um, but again, when you're not healthy and you're not out there, that falls into the disappointing category because you know ability is important, but availability in the NFL is almost equally or even more important in this league. Right. So, so the thing we we covered the other end was who was the most. Well, who have we been surprised with? Not so much, you know, like, hey, he's been awesome, but like, would Jarvis Jenkins fall under the surprise yeah. uh, list? Jen- Jenkins has been great. I think Cutler's been really good. Yeah. I've I been mean, way better than I thought he was going to be. I, I think that's very encouraging, what he's done. Uh, you know, Christian Jones has played well. I talked about Amos. I think there's you know, a lot of guys you could put into, into surprisingly good category it's not it's not like one person or it's just i think collectively they just will for whatever reason go into a funk you know whether it's just the offense gets into a rut or the play calling in the red zone is kind of suspect you know special teams 
They just keep getting hit for big plays, it seems, every single week. I don't want to single out one guy on special teams, but it's just in general, you know, giving up the fake punt to Detroit. You know, yeah. Seattle suckering them with the, with the Richard Sherman return. I mean, these are things that, that teams are going to keep trying to test the Bears on special teams with trickery because they haven't proven up to this point that they can stop it or they're prepared to do so. Yeah, I mean, they, they – uh... They and they did so well on on Sunday. With the, they they generated turnovers. They got the Bears the the ball back, and they, re, they were really they were this close to, to having, you know, as close to a perfect game as special teams could have. Then they gave up that that uh, that fake punt there at the uh, end of the game. And not only did they allow the first down, but it was a huge gain for them right. that ended up hurting the Bears. And and it was it was, like you said, it was it was another huge huge play and you know special teams has been a big concern i mean i, I found it almost laughable against uh, oakland that we were or they were pooching all of our kickoffs just because we were apparently scared to death to kick it deep after the first three weeks of the season we gave up huge plays on the kick return because they can't tackle and it yeah. didn't help that jack was rogers got hurt too he was a good special teamer yeah it's just it's not uh not how it used to be on special teams around here it's just it's just it's just different and Hopefully, you know, they simplify things and they figure out how to use these guys. It's a tough job because personnel keeps changing. We all know that. It's not an easy thing to be a special teams coordinator or to play on special teams because the turnover rate is so high. But, uh, yeah, that, that, you know, when, again, when you're, when you're an average team, you, need, you win games by doing something special on special teams. On the other side, if you're an average team, you lose games. When you allow the other team to do something special on special teams, whether it's a hundred-yard kickoff return or a fake punt, you see what I'm saying. So that's yeah. that's been another reason why this team is two and four. I feel like they've actually played maybe a little better than the record might indicate. But it's the little things that the, those fifty-fifty categories that they seem to be coming up short in a lot. Now let's shift gears. You know, as we get ready to wrap things up here, um, Jay Cutler. You know, so much turmoil and, and, you know, what will they, will will they, won't they with the Bears and are we going to keep him? Are we going to let him go? We're going to eat that salary cap uh, number this year and and so on. Um, while he's been playing as well as he ever has uh, in a Bear uniform, he's always managing one way or the other to still have these turnovers in critical times uh, in the games. Now, I've been screaming until I'm blue in the face on my show saying that, these these are not what I would classify as same old J moments. That's the that's the term that fans like to use, the same old J moment. Because I always equated that with his decision making more so than his you know penchant for throwing an interception mm-hmm. uh, from time to time. Like take for example the Green Bay the Clay Matthews interception. As much as I hate to say it, that was much more of a great play on Matthews' part than it was a same old J Cutler moment. It just came obviously at the worst possible time for the Bears. No, I agree, and it's, you know, there's there's a difference between the mental and the physical mistake. Like I feel like he's making the right read, and he's throwing it to the right guy. It's just whether there's a miscommunication, you know, Martellus Bennett running, the, you know, stopping the route, or if Jay and him are on the same page. You know, Alshon said he lost that ball at Fort, in Fort Field in the lights. I didn't quite think it was the best throw, but I right. understood the matchup. It was a good matchup for, for Jeffrey. Just the execution suffered. Look, I have been as critical of Cutler as anybody since he got here. I think he's been very underwhelming. Uh, this year, this is the best I've seen him 
probably since well, he had a good stretch in, in 11 before he broke the thumb. Yeah. But I just feel like I've never seen him in more control than of, of his emotions, of the of the action on the field. I really like what what he's doing here. And right now, if he keeps this up, I would say absolutely the Bears are going to have him back next year unless a team just knocks him out with a trade package offer, which you can't discount. But he has given them no reason to sit back there and say, oh, we, we you know he's gone. We can't have him start next year. I mean, they got to find a young quarterback. That has to happen. And yeah. maybe it's this year. I mean, they have to find the quarterback of the future. But I don't feel like they have to kick him out of town based on what you've seen for next year. I, I think he's been really, really good. He's been, to me, probably the number one high point of the season has been the way Cutler's played. I, you know, I would definitely agree, especially, you know, like we were talking to the, the disappointments and surprises. He would definitely be on the surprise list. I mean, we all know what he's capable physically that you know he can throw the football out of the stadium and when he's got the time he can be as accurate as any quarterback in the league it's just that he's had so much trouble for one reason or another um making it all happen at the same time i gotta give credit to adam gase and dow loggins the quarterbacks coach they've really coached him the right way and i feel like this is the one this is the first offense that he trusts you know since he's been here i'm not saying that that absolves him of what happened in the past. Because I think as a player, I mean, you have to try to make it work with whatever system you're given. But I just feel like this is the offense that really caters to his strengths, and he's got great communication with those coaches. And the first six games, you know, well, he hasn't played all six. He's played, what, four and a half? His first yeah. four and a half games, very encouraging. And I, I'm very eager to see kind of how he does the rest of the year after the bye, especially when – the Bears have those good teams coming up when that Denver defense comes to Soldier Field, the Packers again. Let's see how he does against some better caliber opponents. So as, as uh, this will be our, our last question here as we wrap things up, the, you know, we got 10 games left, and I really feel like it's kind of a 5-5 five and five split. These next five games, we have it's, – it's, it's difficult with those last two, but it's, it's a winnable batch. You have Minnesota, San Diego, St. Louis, who are – who are who aren't playing poorly, but not necessarily blowing anybody away. St. Louis, I'd only be worried about if the Bears are actually in the NFC West, because that seems to be the only teams that St. Louis can beat these days. Um, but then, you, like you said, we close out in November with with Denver and Green Bay. But then those last five games: San Francisco, Washington, both at home, on the road at Minnesota. That's probably the toughest game in that batch. Then at Tampa Bay, home for Detroit. We could really string something together in, in the last five games and finish this thing strong going into 2016. Oh, I agree. I, I think 6-10, and 10, and I, I could see this team winning seven games. But I, I would think the high-water mark, though, would be eight. I mean, that would just kind of be my, my thought process there. But you're right. I mean, the back end of the schedule is pretty soft. The most difficult part was the first three games, and they went 0-3, as we most of us thought they would. Oh. No, I, I, I think that... There's going to be, I think the games are going to be close. I think it's going to be kind of a roller coaster. You know, that's, you know, I think the Bears are going to be competitive, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won seven games. Or, you know, again, I don't know if they're going to get to eight, but if they get to eight, what an accomplishment, what a springboard that would be for the whole program going into next year. Oh, I, I, I definitely I definitely agree, especially, you know, I mean, everybody, we, we say this over and over again, after what we went through, 
last year. Even if we went 5-11 and 11 again, if we could have games like Kansas City and Oakland, you know, going down to the wire, even in Detroit, as heartbreaking as that was, as long as they're in it in the end, they have a chance, and I think that's better than anything we could have asked for uh, last year because the team is showing up to play. And I think that's why I was so encouraged by the Seattle game was that we're out of it. it last year, we would have checked out right after the Seattle Seahawks scored that opening kickoff in the second half, or at least mentally you could see it uh, you know, in the, in the team after a moment like that happened. But to see them still fighting and still battling, even when the game was out of hand, I found to be the most encouraging part uh, of that game. And the reason why I've remained optimistic throughout the season, despite our record. Yeah, I agree. That's very well said. And and uh, they've given you no reason to think that they're just going to mail it in the last part of the season here. So let's see what happens. They'll keep it close. Again, I think this will be very competitive games that could hinge on a play or two at the end. And let's see what kind of uh, adjustments they can make after the bye to put themselves in a better position to win some of these. All right, Jeff. Uh, once again, thanks so much for coming back on the show. We'll uh... – Try to find an excuse probably to have you on at the end of the season, maybe wrap this whole thing up with a nice little bow on it and get ready to go into uh, 2016. What do you say? That's that might be my pleasure. We'll, we'll, we'll talk then and just enjoy the final part of the season here. All right. Once again, Jeff Dickerson from ESPN on the Chicago Bears View, wrapping up the first six games of the NFL season for our beloved Chicago Bears. Once again, another great discussion uh, with Jeff. Was was wonderful having him back on the show. Just wish that I could have gotten him maybe 48 hours later to uh, to talk about the Jeremiah Ratliff uh, situation and, and what how he thinks that will impact the Bears uh, going forward. Um, as, uh, you know, yes, obviously we lose something on the field uh, because the guy that we brought in is not going to come in and start right away if he starts at all. Uh, but uh, you know, Ratliff was uh, a veteran and a leader. Uh, in the uh, in the locker room and maybe that's what the problem was the, the chemistry the Bears are trying to build uh, now it doesn't quite fit uh, with with uh, what Jarrett with with Jay Ratliff has to offer uh, and such and um, you know maybe that's why more than anything he's not a member of the team anymore Ryan Pace John Fox definitely trying to build this team and mold it into uh, a very very different image of what we've seen over the last few years and um, you know that very well could be why uh, Jay Ratliff is a former Bear and, and, and no longer with the uh, with the team. So that is uh, going to do it for this midseason review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. We ourselves are going to take a little break here. No review episode, uh, you know, for because there's no game this weekend. So I won't be back until Thursday. Thursday, when we will hopefully have Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman. Uh, to talk about uh, from SB Nation to talk about Bears and Vikings uh, going into the second half of the season uh, for the Bears and hopefully I'll be giving you an injury report with about half as many names on it uh, going into that game uh, against the Vikings a huge game for the Bears because we're already 0-2 uh, in the NFC North so we definitely need uh, to get a a uh, a division victory so not only is it important to get that second half of the season off on the right foot uh with a victory but also extremely important considering that it is a divisional uh matchup and we have yet to win one 
in the division up to this point. So a huge, huge game uh, for the Bears trying to get things going uh, in the right direction uh, in the second half there. So, But until then, you know, enjoy what you can because these, these bearless weekends in the NFL, they can really, really suck it. <laughs> You know, they can really be terrible because it's just you you, you can't really get emotionally invested in a bunch of teams that you, you don't care about. So it's, uh, you know, sit back and try to watch the games. Maybe somebody have something that I tickle your fancy and keep your attention this weekend. If not, just count the days. The Bears will be back next month, next Sunday uh, on the uh, on the first uh, of November. So. Uh, Rest easy, enjoy the game, you know, nurse that uh, that Monday morning quarterback injury of yours, and we'll be back and raring to go next Thursday with the Week 8 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, 
the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.